damn. Yeah, Don? What comes to mind if I say icky, icky, icky? Pa, pa, pa. Where'd you hear that? I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, where you been? Dude, I was in the sky. Sam in the sky with diamonds. No, I so I flew from Palm Springs to New Orleans and had a blast at ICIPA, the International Conference of Young People in AA. This is an annual event that has not taken place the last two years. I wonder why. Uh, I can't imagine you know, what's been going on. So not only is it always a big deal anyway, this one was an even bigger deal. Because the committee in New Orleans that won the bid to hold it in 2020 continued to work on developing it for 2021 that didn't happen and continued working to develop it for 2022. And Uh they knocked it out of the park. Wow. Do you have any idea how many people came? You know, I do not, but I guarantee you it was over a thousand. Uh, It it was big. I mean, we were in a huge hotel in downtown New Orleans. It was pretty much all Ikipa for most of that. You know, one of the other events that I experienced that was you know way bigger than Ikipa was the International Convention of Alcoholics Anonymous in Atlanta, Georgia, in 2015. Yeah, never been. Always wanted to go. One of the most amazing things about that experience was wherever I went in that midtown or downtown Atlanta, where I was, it was alcoholics everywhere. You know, you you just turn around and you can strike up a conversation. You know, there are friends all around you. Yeah. You're around all your people. Yeah. And it was the same thing in this hotel this entire weekend. Very cool. So what happens at Ikipa? Is it like three speakers and then an Al-Anon meeting and then a dance at night? Well, so it is lots of time in the free spaces, the open roaming where YPAs are found in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, now wait a minute. YPAs, we're talking about young people. Young people in AA. That's it. Yeah. And what's Ikipa stand for? International Conference of Young People in AA. So there's lots of hallway conversations, or as one of our uh, guests that we're going to listen to a little later, I think, refers to it as a hallway meeting. Yes. Because striking up a conversation can be a meeting. Yeah. Um, A a typical day is during the day, there are workshops and panels. On topics like? There was a corrections workshop and panel. There was one for AA Grapevine. There was one talking about reaching the Black community. Okay. Then, you know, lots of times eating is a part of this thing. So folks are going out and eating. There are special events. They kicked off the event with a a thing called the 62nd line. Instead of the second line, which is a New Orleans ragtime parade, if you will. Parade, yeah. 
this was the 60 second line because this was 60 second icky paw. Oh, yeah. And so they had an official licensed parade with a ragtime band going around the hotel so block. Cool. Yeah. Then uh, there are speakers every night. So there's a main meeting every night that also includes things like the location roll call. This is where they get people from every place to stand up together and dance and rally and all that kind of stuff. Incredible numbers of people, you know, huge number of people came from Texas. They were the most. Oh, yeah. uh, so and then there were identifying with their state, their state, but also international locations and yeah. islands and things like that. It was really, really cool. Another time there is the sobriety countdown and YP does a countdown like no one else. And I, I love those things because they rally up around the people who are standing. It's fantastic. The speakers who've been waiting for three years to tell their story yeah. at this moment. Well, speakers are always great. They're always great speakers. Yeah, they were like really, really powerful. And there are opportunities for other things to be presented up at the mics, too. For instance, our own Cindy F., who is a uh, trustee on the AA Grapevine board, got up and spoke to the uh, the conference for a little while, too. And that was kind of oh, cool. Sounds like a full weekend. It was a very full weekend. So after these big meetings come the nighttime events, which I did not participate in because I am old and I needed to get my sleep and be prepared for the next day. And but... you were working. <laughs> yes, I doing was interviews. Well, yeah, I was doing interviews. But man, the things they had going on there is they had dances. They had a silent disco. They had a, a glow rave, which is where all the lights are out and everybody had glow in the dark stuff, uh, oh, glowing yeah. things. Another dance party. Uh, they, had, they had a drag show. They had they had a place called the Fungeon. Instead of the dungeon, it was the yeah. Fungeon. It was the uh, a basement room that was just filled with all kinds of games and and lots of fun stuff going on wow. down there too. And none of that got started until like eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's where all the fellowship was happening in the halls and at night and all It of truly that. was. I mean, I, I know people were not going to bed until three or four in the morning, probably some even well, later. Maybe I'm glad that you went instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> I was really happy to be there. And uh, though I didn't get to participate in as much of it as I would love to have, because I was working, I still got to be a part of. Yeah. And that was just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Well, that's so great. So we've got five longer interviews with people, and then we've got six short recordings of people, just snippets about their reflections on the convention and things like that. Yeah, it was a real joy chatting with these people. And these are just some of the ones that we recorded throughout this entire event. And I want to do a quick shout out because this is the first time that we've had an audio engineer. Corey H. was there to help us out in recording these things, too. The last thing I want to do real quick is a huge shout out to the Ikipa 62 host committee in New Orleans. They held on throughout these three years of just waiting and waiting, and they really did knock it out of the park. So thank you so much, New Orleans Ikipa 62 host committee. Hi. Grapevine does not accept donations, but you can offer your support by making a purchase at store.aagrapevine.org or by the Carry the Message gift certificates to sponsor Grapevine subscriptions for alcoholics in need. That's store.aagrapevine.org.
So now we've got six interviews. Colin, Dylan, Emma, Jean, Kendra, and Crystal. Let's take a listen. My name is Colin and I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Colin, where are you from? Baton Rouge, Louisiana, yeah. All right. Well, uh, so tell me about Ikipai and your experience. You're wearing that awesome <laughs> The Security the, t-shirt. The That's security. amazing. It's been great, man. Um, I mean, uh, having like some kind of service commitment has definitely changed the experience a lot. For the better, I feel. What's the coolest thing you've experienced so far at Ikipai? Oh, the coolest thing? We had an event that was titled the Glow Rave. That was pretty cool, but I think... I don't know. I feel like the second line compared to that. Yeah. Well, almost, now, almost so like tell folks what the second line is. Okay, so it was the second, they call it the second line, but it's actually the 60 second line, given that this is the 60 second Icky Paul. Okay. Basically in March, you do, you know, everyone gathers together about, you know, two, 300 people and we have a police escort and we just march around the block twice in the street, like just playing jazz bands and everyone's Cool. So is this kind of like a ragtime yeah, parade? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, kind of yeah, ragtime yeah. parade thing. People get pretty crazy, but uh, everyone has fun. And the glow rave, what was that? (laughs) I mean, there's people out here who have no clue what a rave is. Okay, so imagine a bunch of children (laughs) of various ages. Well, then again, there were some elderly people in there, and I was. There's still children, though. Children, and (laughs) there's people, a sea of people, and all their lights are off, and they're playing disco music that shakes your chest and the walls and the floor, and lights everywhere, man. Everyone's dancing, having a good time. That's basically all it was. But it was, it was awesome. Pretty awesome, yeah. Hey, my name is Dylan. I'm an alcoholic from Sarasota, Florida. This is uh, actually my second. I went to Equipa in Miami in 2015. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of a part of the host, like a member at large. Oh, so. okay, so you got yeah, to be yeah, like, yeah, behind the scenes there. and stuff. I lived in Miami for like seven years, actually. That's where my journey in recovery started. Well, I didn't stay sober that whole time. Well, yeah. you know, what is your sobriety like today? Today, oh, man, it is full of hope. You know, don't always have a, a positive mindset mm-hmm. in, internally. I, I'm, I'm filled with a lot of negative thought processes. But through this program and through the work that I've done, I have hope and I'm able to readjust how I think today. That's an amazing gift that we get from doing this. Yeah, yeah I, I used to think that whatever thoughts that I had, that they were reality, you know, yeah. and now I know that. It's not the truth. <laughs> so tell me about your experience at this Icky What? Oh, well, I've never been here to uh, New Orleans, so it's nice to kind of go with some of the people that we came with and just explore the city. Another one would be uh, the main meeting last night. really hit home for me. Uh, one of the best speakers I've heard personally. And a lot of the panels, I, I mean, I have been having a really spiritual morning this morning, so. You mentioned that meeting last night. Oh, man, he had me crying. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of my story has to do with my mom, too. And, too. and that really, really, I, I left the meeting and went upstairs in my room and called my mom just to tell her I love her and appreciate her. Okay, you're going to make me cry now. <laughs> I, mean, um, I mean, the fact that we have a, a healthy relationship today is, that's all due to God. My mother died in 2020. I'm so glad that she got to know Sober Sam. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's funny, too, because when I first called her and I told her, you know, I mean, I was feeling emotional, and I told her I love her and appreciate her, and she was trying to reassure me that, hey, listen, it's okay, you know, because she thought I was feeling uh, bad about certain situations that happened. Okay. And uh, I was I was gratefully able to reassure her. I'm like, no, oh, no, I'm calling out of, out of gratitude and appreciation. I was like, I'm not feeling bad. I just wanted to remind you how much you mean to me. So, oh, man. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that's the gift of this program because my first day sober, I woke up in jail had the night before having physically attacked her. 
and realizing that I become a terrible monster when I drink. I do things I don't like to do. And the fact that, yeah, she still talks to me today is amazing. Dylan, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm Emma. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. My sobriety date is January 20th, 2018. I'm blown away by, like, the quality of the panels. Typically, when I go to Whitepaw, it's like, we're going to talk about sex and relationships, and it seems like the topics are very diverse here. What workshops have had a uh, particular impact upon you? I just left reaching the black and African-American alcoholic. Okay. I really enjoyed that. I it's an eye-opening thing for me to be able to sit in a situation and experience a perspective that I just don't have. I'm a middle-aged white gay guy. Yeah, it was really powerful, um, and they were talking about specific AA members in like the 40s, 50s, 60s that made a big impact on the black community. And I don't know, it was really powerful just to sit in that room and like be able to talk about that because it's always like in my head at least I'm like okay we're not supposed to talk about anything political or anything that could upset anyone I'm glad you got something from it yeah oh I went to the um the ASL speaker as well oh. that was amazing <laughs> yeah what got you it was just the experience of it learning about what it's like to be in AA he had like 24 years sober and he's deaf it was just really cool and I was trying to like trying to understand what he was saying with his hands I learned fast forward is like this okay <laughs> I just smacked the microphone um, <laughs> what is it that brought you into these rooms I started drinking when I was like 15 I was really really mentally ill I was drinking a lot taking Xanax to deal with intrusive thoughts really severe anxiety but I also just got drunk because I like to get up I was like in and out in and out of AA I cleaned my room one time and I found nine desire chips oh, wow. just like laying yeah. around they would say keep coming back and I would keep coming back um, good what is your recovery like today today it's amazing it's like I've I'm a whole other person. I'm in a whole other life, and sometimes it freaks me out. <laughs> AA has given me so much, and I take all the stuff for granted of, like, that my problems were insurmountable. Like, I had been hospitalized over and over for, like, either suicide attempts or, like, self-harm. It's like my life did a complete 180. AA saved my life. Hi, my name's Gene. I'm an alcoholic drug addict. I've lived close to New York City my entire sobriety. Now I live just north of New York City in Rockland County. Tell me a little bit about your experience here at Hickey Pop. Well, um, a friend of mine just sent me a link about two weeks ago, and within a half an hour, I had my plane reservations and my reservations. And, you know, after 30 years of not really going to too many conventions, I just said, yeah, I'm going to do this. Came here by myself, but I've been meeting tons of great people. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, you said you had a couple of stories you wanted to share. Yeah. My mother found Alan on 1965, living in where I am now, Nanuet, New York. And every year, uh, Lois would have a picnic at her house, Stepping Stones. When I was about eight, I'm not even sure of the year, I was very small. I remember my mother whispering in my ear, I want you to remember this. And then she said, this is Lois. So I met Lois at her house. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a cool one. And then the other one, I retired New York City fire captain. I happened to work near 182 Clinton. It was in my first two district and I was the fire inspection officer. So I pulled the card and I sent all my men in a different direction. 
they knew I was sober, but this was something they, I couldn't really explain to them. And I went up and I knocked on the door of 182 Clinton where Bill had hit his bottom and where he did get sober with his wife. So I knocked on the door and a nice guy answered. I was in my 40s at that time, and so was he. And I said, uh, if there's more than two families here, I'd like to inspect the building. He says, no, I own the whole thing. I said, well, congratulations. You know, this is 20 years ago. It was a $3 million brownstone. All right. I said, well, I kind of have an interest in your house in particular. So he points to me and he says, you're one of those AAs, aren't you? Because he had been sitting on his stoop, which is in our literature, and smoking a cigar many times. And people would come by and just stare at his house. So he knew there was something going on. So he invites me in. I'm wearing fire department gear. He can see the rig out down the corner. And so I go in. And I could crawl through a brownstone in the dark and smoke because I know it so well. Uh And immediately I knew to my left I was going to be looking at the fireplace in the parlor floor where Bill probably put two chairs in the first meeting this side of Akron. And then he probably put three chairs and 12 chairs and 20 chairs. And then ultimately they had to move from Bill's living room. So I I took that in a little bit. And then uh, he says, is there anything else you want to see? I said, yeah, I want to go to the basement. Because I'm pretty sure that if Bill was going to be hiding from Lois, he'd go to the basement kitchen. And so he'd sit at the table and put the alcohol on the table when Ebby visited and Ebby said, I've got religion. And Bill was flummoxed. He couldn't understand that at all. And that was one of the most important turning points in the creation of AA. As soon as I got into that room, I started bawling, crying. Oh, I was just so taken with that. Because at that point, I was 20 years sober, and I'd read that story many, 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 many times. So I mean, I've just got chills listening the, to this. The epilogue is that about three months later, 9-11 happened, and my battalion in Brooklyn was decimated. We lost about 50 guys. And I was thinking that he probably thought I died. So it took about three more months for things to settle down enough that I got, I think it's As Bill Sees It, which shows a picture of his stoop, his uh, fireplace in the parlor floor, and then downstairs in the kitchen. So I wrote a nice little epitaph. Thank you so much for tolerating my AA crazies. And thank you so much for your tour. And when I went there, I delivered it to a maid. He wasn't there. I didn't bother him after that. But I'm hoping that reading that book gave him a little bit of an idea of why his house is so important to us. Oh, man, what a story. I am so glad you shared that with us. Gene, thank you. Good. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share with us? I mean... I'm uh, 40 years sober. I got sober three weeks after I turned 21. I was incapable of accomplishing anything when I walked in, but you know, I ended up getting a master's degree. I was a New York City fire captain, became a therapist, raised a family. It's been an amazing journey. In the beginning, when I was around young people, they kept saying happy, joyous, and free. And that's really an understatement for when you're newly sober because suddenly you're not hurting yourself and life is grand but to expect that the rest of my life was going to be happy and joyous and free from age 21 on not realistic (laughs) i was very numb through 9-11 and depression hit after that 
but also in the last three and a half years, leaving my marriage after 30 years has been very painful. Okay. Uh, but the program has sustained me tremendously. And um, I feel like I have a new resource here with Ikipa and conferences because uh, the people are amazing. I mean, if anybody out there is listening and they've never gone to a convention, it's a shot in the arm. My name is Kendra. I'm from Durham, North Carolina. And my home group is the Bahama Group. Wow. Hi, Kendra. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. And I did sobriety in Durham, North Carolina. You're kidding. <laughs> I surely did. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so now we're going to have to catch up and oh, everybody yeah. gets to listen in. So now you're down here in New Orleans for Ikipa. For Ikipa, my first WIPA event. Fantastic. So what's going on in your head here? You know, the book tells us not to regret the past. But had I found this much earlier in life, I wonder what my path would have been. Mm. It is so invigorating to see young folk come together, have excitement about sobriety and the promises that this program brings. So tell me, what is it that brought you into Alcoholics Anonymous? Alcoholics Anonymous was introduced at the very early part of my drinking. Okay. Alcohol took me down quickly. I started drinking in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. Within six months, I was already in legal trouble. Okay. AA was a suggestion from a pastor who had a friend who was an AA member in my hometown. I will say that representatively, I didn't feel like it was for me. I didn't see people like me. Mm-hmm. I feel so differently 11 years later. You are a person of color. I am. A woman I'm a, of color. I'm a black woman. You did not see yourself in the rooms. That's right. Not in my area. Not very often. Mm-hmm particularly in the capacity of being a professional black woman. You still stayed around? I stayed around, in and out, pick up a 30-day chip, pick up a 90-day chip, continued to work the steps. always had a sponsor, but the commitment, I would say, was not there. Life got in the way. I've got a job. I've got a baby. I've got a husband. I've got these, you know, these organizations that I have commitments to and It just always seemed like it was that thing to do when I felt like I was about to be in trouble or have been in trouble. Gotcha. But Zoom changed that all for me with the uprising of the BIPOC meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, And BIPOC would be black, indigenous, people of color meetings. Thank you. I found a sponsor who looks like me, who's had the same journey as I have had in terms of just being in and out of the rooms Mm -hmm. for a long time. You know, you got your people who I call lovingly one ship wonders who come in, they never go back out. And then there are people like me who let's just face it. I did not have the commitment and I did not think that it was possible for me. I found a woman that looked like me. I found my girlfriend that I travel a lot with Alice. She spoke at Cersei Pa and she actually was the one that said, Hey, you need to do a YPA event. Come with me to New Orleans. And she was still at Cersei Pa when we booked our flights and our hotel room and register for the convention. And I even volunteered. I signed up for a service commitment. Did you? So oh, that's one of the best things you can yeah, do at a conference. You know, if, and to be honest, I was like, hmm, I'm 40 something. I'm not young, young, but I do have something to offer. So let me make myself known, get to know some people in other capacities. So I served in the merchandise room and then I was a greeter last night. So if you came to the rooms, we were the ones that were dancing all crazy and fun, like in front of the door to greet you for the meeting. Beautiful. What kind of people are you seeing here at this conference? Incredibly diverse, young and old, black, white, Spanish speaking, 
hearing impaired or, or deaf, um, one of our communities within AA. And people who come from what I just learned are remote communities, either they've not had access or we've not sought access in their communities. I'm just amazed at even with limited resources. And I've often heard the big book itself can just be a meeting. And for some of those people, it has been. And they come to these events to get reinvigorated, to be around people like people for them that have this common diagnosis, this disease, as well as a common solution. Indeed. And what I love is that we are people who would not normally mix. I love that line. Isn't that I awesome? I love that line. In fact, one of my favorite meetings in my hometown is one where I look around and I'm like, these people would not be in my Rolodex, in my cell phone. And yet they are now. Yes. You know, and I love seeing them. One of the things that I really have thought to be a major change for me this time around, as I said, I've been around, I've been in and out for 11 years of service. And we take meetings to treatment centers. And then we go out to eat after. These aren't people that I would normally decide to eat dinner with on a Friday night. And yet it's one of the most exciting parts of my week. Yes, that is. It's a highlight. It is a highlight. Yes. My Monday night meeting. I'll be honest. I mean, I have some self-proclaimed, they say it themselves, rednecks in our meeting. Uh And I love them. They are people that I have found to be endearing and loving and have quite honestly loved me until I could love myself and I have made a conscious effort to see the similarities versus the differences and that's a big difference from where you were 11 years ago absolutely it's true when we say you never know the influence you'll have oftentimes it may be a seed that you planted many many years ago and it might have been a seed that you planted just three weeks ago you don't know But never, ever give up. Our big book tells us that there are promises that we will see drinking is but a symptom. Mm -hmm. There's so much that becomes uncovered and discovered and prayerfully discarded when we actually dive into the steps. And that, too, is super important for me. I've heard the statement, meeting makers make it. And that, for some, is it. Mm -hmm. But I need it all. And so I hope that there are people, both young and old, in our program that will always remember to be a part of carrying the message, to never give up on yourself, and to prayerfully not give up on others. Hi, I'm Crystal Alcoholic. I'm part of the NorCal bid for Iggy Paw. I live in Sacramento, California, originally from the Bay Area. Currently, my home group is Friday Night Folsom. I know that you're sitting here beaming because uh, something special happened yesterday, right? Yeah, we were awarded Icky Paw. The 63rd is coming to California, and it still doesn't feel real. Ah, it's like this fogginess, right? Because like you have all these hopes and like all this work goes into this bid. And I heard that yesterday the votes happened several times, wound up being decided how? It went to the hat. It, it went was, to the hat. It was unbelievable. Like, first round, you thought it was going to go somewhere. Second, it was iffy. Third round, okay. Fourth round, it, there was no clear decision. And so it was an even split on that fifth round, seven and seven. Wow. So, And then it was just us in Austin. And we got picked out the hat. 
Hooray for third legacy procedure. <laughs> right. Very, very much like, I'm just so happy it's coming more west. Yeah. So we can show it to this group of people that haven't really got to experience Ikipa yet. So now have you been on the bid committee for a while? Yeah, I've been on the bid committee since the beginning. We put in a token bid, I believe in Chicago, but our first bid package was in Baltimore. So tell me a little bit about the process while here presenting your bid. Yeah, we get a schedule, right? There's things that are highly recommended that we are at. And those things include like a meet and greet on Thursday in the evening. And we got a chance to talk to advisory, just like in a like casual setting, you mm-hmm. know. Then on Friday, Friday morning, <laughs> you sit at these tables. They call them bid tables. And you present your bid book and any kind of extra stuff that you maybe kept working on. This is a long process. It's never like a one year you're awarded, right? There's always a way to finesse and better your bid. And so, yeah, and then we answer questions from the advisory members, and that takes a couple hours. And and then you have a bid skit the following morning. A bid skit. A bid skit. Oh, and I've seen them range. Not a biscuit, a bid skit. Bid skit, you know? (laughs) And hopefully it, like, aligns with your, like, theme. And there's so many different ways I've seen bid skits presented from, like, musical versions of songs to uh, we presented a video and had just like a little storyline and it shared a lot of our experience of what it was like, what happened and like what it's like now, especially including our experience with BIPOC. And and then I've also seen, you see like these big theatrical things (laughs) where people bring in props and they memorize lines and they're just so funny. And it's just a, I feel like bid skits is a way to like not take ourselves so seriously throughout the whole. Yep. Because we're so serious through this process. We're like, we've done this hotel contracts and this budget and we're doing this business of trying to throw this big event. It's no small thing you're putting together. Like we present a whole program. From like start to finish, we have a theme already. And so the theme ties into the programs. The programs has all the rooms from the hotel contracts. We talk about the service work we've done. We talk about how we're going to like leave a mark on Alcoholics Anonymous. You You have assembled a conference and you're saying, here, please look at this and say yes. It's crazy because there's some committees that have been bidding for seven, eight, nine years. And to think we rework all that stuff every year, like yeah. a new theme. Maybe we, we adjust some program stuff. We adjust the hotel stuff. And then we do merchandise. How has being a part of the bid for Ikipa been a, a part of your personal recovery? I am a firm believer that like a service commitment keeps you in the middle. Mm. I have fallen in love with young peoples. I've hosted Akipa All California. I've served at multiple different levels of general service and district. And so when this came across my plate, I was like, wow, this is going to be like a five to seven year commitment. Let's learn this. I remain teachable on this committee. And over time, I took on more responsibility. And like this year, I'm the chair. (laughs) So uh, no opinions for me, but I get to have this amazing opportunity to watch people grow. And it's really strengthened my own personal recovery, having so many teachers on my committee that I get to watch and walk through things. Well, that's great. 
I had a real fun time sitting down with these folks. And it's just like when we sit down and do it here on, online, the conversation just gets going and yeah. people's shoulders drop. I mean, folks are nervous when they sit down and then they realize we're just talking. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for doing that, Sam. You really got to the heart of it in a few of those. And it was just great to meet all these people. Now we're going to play six short recordings of just the feel of what it's like to be at the convention. We'll be hearing from Roberto, Patrick, Paula, Pyatt, Ryan, and Sonny. Here we go. Hello, my name is Roberto and I'm an alcoholic. Where are you from? I'm from Dominican Republic. Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so basically, you know, I, I got sober at 20, so I definitely qualify as a young <laughs> people in AA. I got sober in Dominican Republic, sobriety there. You got sober and like, it's like you were forced to be like a certain way, like traditional person. Uh, okay. I went to Iquipa because my sponsor, he got sober in the States and I was like, I want to go to a international convention, like the big one. And he's like, no, you go to Iquipa. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I ended up going and I show up and I see everyone with tattoos, dyed hair, you know, like all these alternative looking people. And I'm like, wow, what's, and they're all sober and they're all young and they're all living their lives. It definitely, like, I'd open my view on sobriety and yeah. how like, I'm a sober person. I follow a spiritual program. You know, I follow the big book, but still, it doesn't mean my youth ended or that I have to have a boring lifestyle. I'm Patrick. I'm an alcoholic, and I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Sort of kind of socially awkward or introvert. I've challenged myself this time around in the program to sort of, I guess, make myself socially available and also work on completing those three legacies of AA as far as fellowship and unity is concerned and service. Originally, I was 22 years old, introduced to AA. I got the recovery piece. Okay. I got the work the 12 steps for the first time, was finally free, just wasn't joyous and happy about it. Okay. I stayed sober for about eight, almost nine years, and shortly after that, I relapsed. In the moment of my relapse, I had what we know as a mental obsession, mm -hmm. but nobody around me could understand. I did not get the piece about fellowship and service, and so I had nobody to call. I had nobody to turn to. I was six hours away from home at the time. Even though I was in a room full of people, I still found myself drunk and alone. Of course, I started the recovery piece again, and I really had to truly focus on unity, service, and fellowship and what that meant. I am Paula and I'm an alcoholic. I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. My home group is Broward Women's. Uh, my sobriety date is October 7th, 2018. Had to think about that for a minute. <laughs> I am sponsored and I sponsor other women in the program. Fort Lauderdale. So you've gone from a big party city to a big party convention. Yes. <laughs> yes, I and have. So what's going on for you? Well, I feel very fortunate to have a friend, Katie, and she told me months and months ago that I must come here. And I've met a lot of incredible people. And I've seen a lot of people that I know that I didn't think I would see again. <laughs> so did you uh, do anything last night with uh, all the events that were going on? Oh, I went to the Glow Rave. Oh, yeah? And I was raving. <laughs> and I was dancing and living my best life. 
on the dance floor with That's everybody fantastic. else. Yeah, we get to have so much fun doing things like that now. Yeah. No social anxiety. I'm like, oh, I'm just here to let loose and yeah. I don't care who is watching me. <laughs> and if that. I get asked to dance, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm solo dancing tonight. <laughs> so fun. This year in my life has been a year of trying to truly, truly cultivate a relationship with a higher power of my own understanding. Oh. And it has been magical. Magical. And I wish that for all the other alcoholics out there. What I will say is that I came to AA as an atheist and I am no longer that. Okay. And I feel very grateful that my higher power put certain people in my life at the right time and the right place. And I just had that window of open-mindedness. You know, that gratitude shows on your face right now. Yeah, I'm very, very grateful. That's beautiful. I'm Payat. I'm an alcoholic from California. What is it about Young People Conferences that's working for you? My first Young People's Conference was in 2018. And at that point, I had under a year sober. I had initially joined Young People's AA in the first place because my sponsor recommended it to me as I didn't know how to relate to people my own age ah. when I came in. Not not sober. Yeah, right? yeah. And then my first Young People's Conference was Akipa 2018, and that was a beautiful conference for me. And it was really cool to see because the original hotel had burned down. There was fires happening in Northern California at mm -hmm. the time, and then the committee came together and threw a great conference and I had no idea all this was going on behind the scenes. I just showed up and had a great time. Um, and I think that's it. I just wanted to have fun in AA and it showed me I could have fun in AA. Yes, I'm, I'm Ryan. I'm an alcoholic and I'm from St. Petersburg, Florida. What has been a big hit for you so far? Well, I went to a corrections panel yesterday okay. and it was, I think it was called Behind the Walls. I heard two speakers that were prisoners at one time of Angola prison who had gotten AA because the AA had come into behind the walls. And I got to hear both of their stories. And we also heard a, an inmate who's currently incarcerated at Angola who zoomed in, actually. That was kind of neat, you know. Oh, wow. And, you know, just the way these guys, um, you know, told their stories and the idea that AA had come in there and showed them a, a better way of living. And these guys, even though they were behind prison, wanted to improve themselves, you know, wanted to address a problem that they found out that they, they had that they didn't even know that they had. Oh, yeah. And okay. I could relate to that because I, you know, did not know I was really an alcoholic until I learned what one was, you know? Yeah. So now that I see everything that's gone into this conference and, you know, all the work I can and people manning tables, sometimes in rooms where no one's there, you know, and just holding down the fort. And, you know, it's just a massive undertaking. And I try and go up to some of the people that I see with the shirts on that are on the host and just, you know, thank them for their service. Beautifully said. Ryan, thank you so much. Hi, my name is Sunny. I'm alcoholic. My sobriety date is September 25th, 2018. I live in New Orleans, Louisiana. My home group is the Carrollton Group. Um, it's the only group in New Orleans that Bill W. actually went to. Oh, cool. So um, we, we're an old group, and we meet on Monday nights at 730. Awesome. You were just sitting over at the, uh, the tables for all the <laughs> grapevine literature here at Ikipa. Well, it was one of the ways that um, they got me to commit to coming down here to the convention is I signed up to do the tables. I've done conferences, but no, never young people conferences. So what's the difference between this conference and the other conferences that you've done? 
Well, I've been in and out of the program since 1986. And so when I lived in Minnesota, there was Gover State Roundup. There were a lot of older people, but there were very few young people. Okay. So um, it's really nice to see people um, getting the message early and being involved in AA and learning how to have fun in AA as a young person instead of thinking that, you know, life is going to be a veil of tears. You're never going to ever have any fun again or whatever. It'd be you hard know? to walk through this hotel and think that we're a glum lot. Exactly. Right? We are not a glum lot. <laughs> exactly. And just like the book says, we absolutely insist on having fun. What got you to come into the rooms? I was an alcoholic from a young age. And so um, the first time I got sober, I was 26 years old. There were very few young people in AA in 1986. And, you know, it, it said that it's not for people who need it or people who want it. It's for people who do it. So this last time... I had convinced myself that I wasn't really alcoholic and that I could move to New Orleans. And um, New Orleans will bring you down really hard. Oh, I bet. <laughs> There's um, a lot of things available here. I'm lots sure. of things available here. Um, my daughter always says that where the best dope is is where the best meetings are. And we have a lot of alcohol here. And so we have a lot of really good recovery here. So I, I feel like living in New Orleans is an opportunity to help a lot of people because there's a lot of sick and suffering alcoholics in New Orleans. As a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous and a female, um, I feel like I... I have a lot of experience, strength, and hope to offer younger women who come to New Orleans and need someone. So. Well, I'm jealous. You ought to be. No, Don, it, it was an amazing experience to get to go and be a part of this and to be representing the grapevine. It was an amazing experience, and I hope you get to do it too. Oh, uh, well, I, you know, I got to do the assembly. Not yes, you did. Ago. So we'll take turns on this. And, you know, if listeners have any ideas of other things that you'd like to hear that we can bring to you in audio format, let us know. Send us an email. That's at podcast at aagrapevine.org. Hope to hear from you. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Don. The Grapevine is looking for your story submissions for Why I Love the 12 and 12. Stories are due by December 15, 2022. Our 12 Steps and 12 Traditions book turns 70 next year. Tell us the ways this book has enriched your sobriety. Is there a story about using the book that you'd like to tell? How does your group use it? What are your favorite passages and why? Share your story by December 15, 2022 via aagrapevine.org. Hey, this is Zach G from Neckbreakers in New Orleans, and I remember back when I was drinking, I went into this bar and I said to the bartender, I said, let me get a, a high life and a shot of Jameson, and he looked at me, and I, I took the shot of Jameson, I shot that, I took the pint of high life, I downed that, he looked at me and I said, give me another one of those, and uh, took the shot of Jameson, down that, down the pint of high life, and he looked at me kind of strange and said, you know, is, is everything going okay with you? And I said, well, sir, I gotta be honest. Uh, if you had what I have, you would drink this way too. And he says, what, what do you have? And I said, about 75 cents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that belongs in the grapevine. <laughs> it's really not that funny.
Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.